This is Returns on Wellbeing Institute podcast. We bring you the latest and best strategies, tactics, and information to help employers boost their bottom lines by investing in healthy and engaged workforces that deliver real ROI. Welcome to today's program. This is Stephen Van Yoder, co-founder of the Returns on Wellbeing Institute, and welcome to today's podcast. U.S. school systems face a three-part crisis, attracting and retaining top talent, rising teacher burnout, and skyrocketing healthcare costs. What's behind this crisis? An epidemic of low well-being, notably poor mental health, financial stress, and workplace demands that explain why 55% of educators are considering leaving the teaching profession. Fortunately, schools can tackle these challenges by embracing whole-person wellness in ways that addresses the crisis of low well-being in U.S. school systems. On this podcast today, we have Karen Richmond, Wellness Coordinator of Sun Prairie Area School District in Wisconsin, and Calissa Mahin, Wellness Coordinator of Duval County Public Schools in Florida. And Today we'll be discussing how their schools in particular and schools across the United States in particular can lean into and support staff well-being to foster a thriving workforce. Thank both of you for being here today. Uh, I met both of you at the Wellness Council of America conference last year, and that's what brought us to today's podcast. And I had learned by speaking with both of you, not just of the good work both of your schools are doing, but some of the challenges facing school systems in the United States today. Uh, and this comes on the tail end of uh, the Returns on Wellbeing Institute's uh, study last year on workplace wellness best practices. So we're gonna be referring to things uh, that you're doing at the school wherever possible. We, we may refer back to the study so we can help guide listeners to some of the ways to think about and apply the learning uh, that they're going to get here today on today's podcast. So let's start by, um, Karen, tell us briefly about your school and the history of your wellness program. Well, Steve, our school district, Sun Prairie Area School District, is located in the greater Madison, Wisconsin area, slightly east of our state capital. Our staff population is roughly 1,300 employees, and our student population is approximately 8,500 students across 15 different schools. Our district was recognized by WALCOA as a platinum level designation in 2021, which will remain valid for three years. And our district program has a strong focus on creating a culture of care through a whole person approach to well-being and also being recognized as a standout employer of choice. Kalissa. Uh, Tell us about your school and the history of your wellness initiative. Yes, I'm Duval County Public Schools, located in Jacksonville, Florida. We have about 12,000 employees and 129,000 students. So that comprises 168 schools, and we are the 20th largest school district in the U.S. So we also Mm. um, have the... WELCOA designation, gold level, in 2021, and also the American Heart Association Workplace Award. We've received that for the past four years, and we also have a local award from the First Post Worksite Wellness Council. 
you know, what prompted your schools to launch your wellness program? And I understand maybe both of you uh, uh, weren't there at the exact moment, and uh, I believe Karen, you were. But just just talk about what was the genesis? Why why did your school go down this path? What what was what prompted them? Well, in our school district, what prompted us going down this path is in 2018, we had a new top administrator join our school district, and she had been in a different school district previously that did have a full-time wellness coordinator. So she saw the direct benefits of creating and implementing a robust wellness program and also acknowledged the need for that and wanted to bring that to our school district. So that was how our program began. So in 2018, my position began as a small stipend position. At the time, I was a full-time occupational therapist in our school district. And then we added on the wellness coordinator position as a small stipend role with the uh, intention that that would evolve into a full-time FTE when we were able to move it forward in that fashion. So fast forward to 2020, uh, the position transitioned into a full-time position through grant money provided by our health plan. And we also wanted to use this as a district strategy to support our struggling staff and students through the pandemic and beyond. In 2020, um, you know, education and the whole world faced a huge crisis with our pandemic. And we knew that we needed to pivot and provide more supports and resources to our struggling staff to help address those three areas that you discussed earlier with burnout, attracting and retaining top talent, and addressing and mitigating our high insurance costs. Mm -hmm. As a district, our mission is to create a culture that supports and provides opportunities, tools, resources that inspire all of our employees and their families to become full partners in managing their overall well-being. And as part of that, we know that we need to continue to layer in different supports and meet people where they're at. A robust well-being program is not a one-size-fits-all. Mm -hmm. And so continuing to support your people and know what their wants and needs are. Exactly. Uh, Calissa, tell us about your wellness initiative. So for the last 15 years, our districts have had an employee wellness program. I started in 2019 as the wellness coordinator. There are two wellness coordinators for our district. So our mission is to provide high quality, comprehensive programs, initiatives, and education, educational opportunities that positively impact individual health and foster a culture of wellness throughout our district and the community. Mm -hmm. So one of our major goals is employee health. We want to improve healthy employee behaviors to reduce short and long-term health care claim costs as measured by cumulative improvements with our insurance. Mm -hmm. And also annual physical. So increase the number of plan members who get an annual adult wellness exam each year. We know that it's very important to have a screenshot of your health going through, just making sure that you're reducing the number of issues, especially in the district. Another goal of ours is diabetes and cancer screening compliance. So increasing the number, increasing the rates of A1C and cancer screening compliance among our members, and also 
flu shots and biometric screenings, making sure that our employees continue to stay healthy. I read some what I think are pretty startling facts and statistics about uh, the state of workforces in U.S. school systems. And, you know, these are not businesses in the typical sense. These serve the nation's youth and communities and families. And it's a big deal when there are challenges in schools because that ripples throughout society. But, uh, Karen, talk about what you, know, you see as some of the top areas, the biggest, I'll call them staffing challenges, because it's not just teachers that run schools. You know, it's support staff, it's you name it. It's, there's, there's a whole ecosystem of employees that work together to educate youth. But what do you see as some of the top three areas where schools across this country are struggling? Uh, well, we've identified within our district uh, three top areas that, that we are struggling with and trying to address. One of those areas is, again, continuing to attract top talent with diminishing candidate pools. So across all of our job areas, we are seeing competition. Um, we know that less individuals are going into the field of education, and also more individuals are exiting the field of education to go in, work in a different environment. So it is a very high-stress environment. The pandemic really um, helped to um, highlight that or spotlight right. that. It was already an issue prior to the pandemic, but the pandemic spotlighted that. So we, it is uh, it's very important for us to, to look at how we can attract that top talent across all job areas. Another area that we address and look at is keeping our staff happy and healthy. And we know that burnout is a huge issue in the educational workforce. And so we want our staff to remain happy and healthy so that we can retain them, as well as that they are able to bring their best selves to work to do what we are in the business of, which is educating our students. And if our staff are happy and healthy, they are able to deliver that curriculum with rigor and fidelity, as well as support the social emotional needs of our students, which is also very important. The other area that we are looking at that is a challenge is controlling and mitigating our high insurance costs. And the reason why right. that's relevant is because that is part of our compensation package is our benefits and salary. And we have this saying across the Dane County area that we're in, which is we want to pay our teachers. We don't want to, we want, and by teachers, I mean all of our educators and everyone mm -hmm. involved in the educational system. We don't want to be putting more money into the insurance and paying our insurance company. So it's a top priority for us to be looking at how we can mitigate those high insurance costs so that we can be compensating with salary our employees at a rate that's competitive and right. that attracts them. I, I would just underscore on uh, insurance costs and the real, the, the, it's really a, it's a trade-off is what I'm hearing that uh, if insurance costs uh, and uh, insurance health claims within schools uh, continue to rise. Uh, it's eating away at the ability to have resources uh, to go at the heart of some of the problems we talked about at the beginning, which is making a better working environment for all the workers in the school and uh, obviously making sure that uh, retention is what it needs to be so that you're not relying on substitute teachers and things like that. But it sounds like insurance costs is really the big elephant in the room uh, that needs to be paid attention to uh, to fix a lot of problems for schools in the United States. Correct, because 
to look at it from a simplistic viewpoint, we have one pot of money that is allotted for compensation. So that includes salaries and benefits, insurance. Right. So we don't want insurance costs eating up all of that money that we want to be going directly into the teacher's pockets, essentially sure. through salary. Melissa, uh, what's your take on all this? Sort of what you see locally, what you're experiencing, and how really that can be expanded out to other schools uh, that are facing some of the same challenges. I would like to piggyback off of everything that Karen has said. We have the same exact issue mm-hmm. that um, Karen is experiencing in Wisconsin. So staff retention is a huge issue. And one of the things... Um, think some people don't hit on is new teachers new teachers who are coming into the field making sure that they have enough support to keep Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. a lot of teachers are very overwhelmed anyway but to be a new teacher stepping into a district you could have 30 to 40 students in the classroom and just because everyone is so spread out they might not have the help that they need So that's one thing that we're really focusing on as a district is more support for the teachers in general. That's our main issue. You know, you mentioned teacher support, and uh, it's essentially about uh, teachers feeling that they're being uh, taken care of, uh, that their needs are being met, and that the problems that they're facing, that the challenges they're facing that are leading to things like burnout are being both recognized and addressed, right? And that's what uh, wellness or well-being initiatives are, are meant to do. Um, how do these challenges that you two are talking about, you know, and I'm really taking the wide-angle lens here so we can look beyond your two schools that are trying to do something about it to a lot of schools in America that may not realize that there is a low well-being challenge in their staff and that there's a solution for it. But how do these challenges affect K through 12 schools' ability to effectively teach and care for students when they're not addressed? You know, what's at stake if low being is not addressed? Karen? As Khalifa uh, just stated previously, again, that teacher support and burnout is so crucial. And if our teachers and educators, any student facing staff, are becoming burned out mentally, physically. We know that that leads to increased absenteeism, increased medical leaves, perhaps even completely edu- uh, leaving the field of education. And that's at a cost to our students and how that curriculum is de- delivered. So if we have teachers that are um, taking medical leave due to low well being and or calling in sick on a regular basis, That means that we have substitute teachers coming in, uh, which also means and translates into that curriculum not being delivered with rigor and fidelity, Mm -hmm. as well as if the teachers decide to completely leave the profession every time we have an individual exit our school district, that's an approximate cost of $8,000 to the school, school district to replace that staff as well. So it's very important that we keep consistency across our school district with retaining our top talent and also there's a cost savings to that or a cost benefit with keeping and retaining our staff. 
Okay, so we're going to talk a minute about one of the top issues that the Returns on Wellbeing Institute has observed in the commercial sectors and in this sector too, and that is top leadership support. Right? Top leadership support is how wellness or well-being initiatives take flight. That's how they're sustained. That's how they get the funding and the leadership that they require. And this is a big challenge. Uh, let's talk for a bit about how, and well, Karen, we'll start with you because uh, I know that your program was launched and you were there at the beginning of it. But talk about leadership support, what that means in schools, because this isn't CEOs and boards. This is something different. And uh, why, not just why it's important in general, but how you receive that support and continue to receive it so listeners can understand what it looks like when done well. Leadership within public education would include or includes your top, essentially your top administrators. And in addition to those administrators, it also includes your school board. So that's the governing agency of the public education entity. So it is absolutely crucial to have top leadership support when launching, implementing, and sustaining a robust well-being program. Mm -hmm. And as referenced in the six best practices study, the way that you do that is by simply aligning your wellness strategy and goals to your overall district goals, benchmarks, and scorecard. Mm -hmm. So if you can have that proof, that your well-being strategy and goals link back to the overall district goals, that is how you get leadership support. Because our, again, our bottom line is we're in the business of educating and providing support for students. So if you can link back your wellness strategy and goals to those overall goals in the district that cascade down into the classrooms, into the Mm -hmm. students, Mm -hmm. you can receive leadership support and you can sustain that leadership support. Karen, have you found that taking this approach, and you're, what, three years in now, um, how is it sort of received by, by leadership? Because they're, they're doing a lot of things. They're concerned about a lot of things. And, you know, you, you clearly have a seat at the table. You can link what you're doing uh, t- to their goals and how it's advancing their goals or mitigating some of their challenges. But just in, in reflecting back over three years, have you seen an evolution or um, anything in the way leadership is responding? Because it was a brand new program three years ago, but this, because clearly they're sustaining this program and they continue to invest in it. The inception of the program, we had all leadership support, but more Some leadership were more invested than others in leadership because within the educational setting, the focus is on curriculum, Um, having high quality curriculum, delivering that curriculum with rigor and fidelity. So it really did take some effort on my part and our whole team to make sure that ensure that, that all of the top leaders, not just some of them, know that when we have a robust well-being program, that directly impacts staff well-being, which directly impacts student well-being and student performance and cascades down into those classrooms. So it has been an evolution, um, but I feel like if you stay the course, if you have a strong operations plan with your benchmarks and measurements, you will ultimately attain that leadership support across all leaders in your district. Calissa, we've 
you know, in your particular uh, situation, this is this is a different. It's quite different. Um, your program has been around for, I think you said fifteen years. Um, yeah. Right. You were not there at its inception. You came in when the program was running, um, and you clearly have. You know, leadership is bought in. This program wouldn't be around for 15 years if it weren't. Um, tell me a bit on, on such a large district as yours, what, what, what is the structure of leadership and how does what you do flow through leadership and, you know, in, 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 rever- in reverse and how do their priorities uh, flow back to you so that you're all working together? So my department, Employee Wellness, falls under benefits which falls under our human resources department. So I have about four people directly above me, including the superintendent. So one thing that has really stood out to me, our superintendent, when she attends principal meetings or assistant principal meetings, she makes sure that she mentions our wellness team, the things that we offer, making sure that employees do know about our employee assistance program and any other initiatives that are going on in the district. And then from there, we have assistant superintendent, executive directors, directors. So when those teams get together with their potential schools or departments, for example, they have a paraprofessional training or a social workers training, school counselor training, making sure that that information is getting to them so they can spread it more to the teachers in the school, mm-hmm. people with their with the boots on the ground. What do you think keeps your leadership team engaged and investing in and, and prioritizing employee well-being? What, what, what keeps their interest? Because, you know, that can be rare out there in the world uh, to have the, the top leadership fully vested in this thing making sure that we keep our programs new different bringing in different community activities such as 5ks or other events that are in the community that promote health also making those contacts within the community with our major hospitals or the american heart association association american diabetes association having them to come in, do lunch and learns, our webinars, and making sure that information is communicated to our employees through our monthly newsletters. Mm -hmm. We also have something called Wellness Wednesdays where we bring up a different concept within mental health, whether it's resilience, avoiding burnout, self-care, all of those things. So really making sure that we get the communication out because it is mm-hmm. very hard communicating with over 12,000 employees. And we have some employees may not even read our newsletters because they get bombarded with so many emails per day. So making sure that we connect with those employees on different levels. So if it involves going out to the school, speaking during a staff meeting or maybe even personal emails sometimes. We have mm-hmm. wellness officers at each school. So making sure that communication also gets out through that channel. Uh, the, the last question I ask you about this is, uh, is your school's leadership, or you know, you have many, many schools, but um, how does leadership uh, sort of step up and put their face, you know, 
to in, before employees to demonstrate that they're they're leading this, they're um, you know, communicating the importance of the well-being initiative. Do, do they play a role in the communication strategy at all? They do. For example, our superintendent she made a video for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Hmm. So going over why it's important, what are some things that you can do, making sure that self exams that employees know about self exams and making sure that the information is provided for them. Also, we have administrators that are involved in 5Ks or just different events within the community. So showing that they are trying to get well. The Returns on Wellbeing Institute uh, likes to look at two sides of the coin, and that is employee well-being outcomes being improved and business, or in this case, school district outcomes being improved. Because when those two work together, it's the makings of a successful long-term program. Uh, Karen, talk a little bit about this. The top returns or outcomes that you're seeing from your wellness initiatives and how that's helping you, you know, move the needle on your su success. So within our district, we have identified that one of our district pillars is to implement a culture of care. So around that pillar, we create our district scorecard, which includes measurable benchmarks for where we're at and where we want to be within that school year. And for example, this school year, a couple of the areas that we focused on were increasing our participation of staff in wellness activities and initiatives. And that increased significantly this year by 34%. Another marker that we identified was we have our own direct-to-employer wellness clinic, and we want to continue to see the direct return on investment of that. So we increased our utilization by 26%, meaning the number of eligible members to use that clinic, which includes all of our employees, regardless of insurance enrollment and their eligible family members. That number increased by 26%. Additionally, our fill rate of our clinic, which means how busy the provider is, that increased by 107% over this past year, leading to the fill rate being between 80 to 100% plus every single day, which is fantastic. It means that employees are using our clinic, they're benefiting from our clinic, uh, and it's, it's achieving what we want it to achieve. In addition to that, our retention data for this past year is going to, we will be receiving the full uh, accurate percentage on that shortly, but it's looking like that will be at 90%. Mm. And we know that that's linked to, to our well-being efforts because one of our surveys indicated that all things considered, the district is a good place to work. And that also was at approximately 90%. And the survey data that I sent out as part of our wellness survey indicated that our staff stay in our district because of the culture of care we have created. In fact, we have had individuals leave our district to go to a much larger neighboring district for a salary increase. And then we will find that they come back to our district and they mm. say the number one reason why they came back is because of the culture of care that we have created. Mm. So 
celery is a factor, but also creating that mattering, making people feel like they matter and belong and are aligned with the organization, no values and mission is very important to people. So we have found that based on data that, um, that we have received. Additionally, uh, we always, it's very important to be looking at the wants and needs of your employees. It's, it's crucial to assess their wants and needs and for them to have a voice and let them share what is important to them. And as a result of that information, that they have shared with us. We are adding a full-time behavioral health coach to our wellness clinic beginning this fall school year. We also added a financial fitness platform to our school district that launched in June of 2023. And also in the fall school year, we will be launching and embedding more wellness activities within work days and within professional development days mm. to basically secure our position and how well-being is important to us and we know that when we're looking at addressing well-being within our employee group that is going to increase the engagement assist with continuing our retention and we actually do use it as part of our strategy to attract talent when we are looking to fill positions. Calissa talk a bit about uh, your own sorry your own uh, wellness and well-being initiative and what uh, you feel it's doing to deliver both better health outcomes and uh, well-being outcomes and returns and benefits for your districts? Well, one of our major goals is addressing mental health in the district. We, had a re- we have a Reach the Teacher initiative. The goal is to provide employees with information on mental health. This includes online training, monthly webinars, resources, and contact information for our employee assistance programs. Additional trainings are held for mental health first aid, and we have a self-care training. This initiative has reached about 25% of our employees in the first year, and we were able to get over 50% in the second year. Also, we have an enhanced employee assistance program we um by promoting eap heavily and when i say heavily i mean we're not only sending out information in our newsletter sending out emails we also have mail out that we send out and then in every staff meeting we mention our eap is provided eap information is provided and even in the teacher's mailbox so definitely can say that our employees do know about our employee assistance program and that's making sure Mm -hmm. that they are aware that they do get the six sessions for each issue so for example if they just so happen to be stressed at work that's one issue so they're getting six sessions Mm -hmm. if they're having issues at home that's another six sessions and they can continue that throughout the year working with the same provider if they like also biometric screening very popular with our within our school district so and especially for people who may not go to the doctor every year letting them get a snapshot of their health report so maybe if their cholesterol is higher or their glucose numbers are higher that would prompt them to go to the doctor or their blood pressure Mm mm-hmm 
one initiative that we started this year was the diabetes prevention program. So if someone's numbers are a little bit higher, they can join our um, diabetes prevention program through our insurance. And that provides a lot of nutritional counseling and extra information to keep them healthy. This year, we also started our um, on-site employee assistant um, consultant. Mm -hmm. So if anyone within the district, within our building, we have about 400 people in our building. If they would like to receive counseling right away, they can have that. Or it might be a teacher who's having issues that day at work. That consultant will go out to that school and speak with them. Headspace Health is another that we've um, brought on in January to address that too. So, uh, so when uh, we look back mm-hmm. at the insurance costs, it's saving mm-hmm. about $2 million right now mm. for people not utilizing their insurance but utilizing some of the resources that we have that are free to district employees. What advice do you have for schools to help overcome the challenges that they're facing? We talked about at the beginning and to follow your example to launch an effective wellness program or wellness well-being initiative. And I'm going under the assumption that a lot of schools either do not have one yet or uh, they have a small part of one, but we're talking about something a little more comprehensive and strategic uh, in, in, in your own examples. Great question, Steve. I feel like this is a um, crucial uh, question and response because often individuals will attempt to create a wellness program and they start with saying, let's do a walking challenge. Um, And then they don't see those returns on investment that they would like to see. So it's very important to have a strategic approach and In simple terms, I would offer a three-pronged approach, which would include, number one, evaluate and assess. So you need to know where your starting points are, what those starting data points are in order to create benchmarks, and then have those initiatives to move the needle. And I look at, for our district, two main data points. I look at our population health. So Calissa referenced that quite a bit with the strategy that their school district is doing. So your population health data can be mined from your insurance broker can provide that or your insurance health plan should be able to provide that for you. So they will provide you with a detailed core health report on all of uh, your population health. And an example would be that we looked at as um, an issue that we wanted to address was that our number one prescription cost was under categorized under behavioral health. Behavioral health also was one of our number one top claims areas. So what that tells us is that people need support in those areas. So Mm -hmm. we definitely want to be developing strategies and support that assist with mental behavioral health. So uh, looking at the two data points, population health, and then number two, the wants and needs of your employee group. As I referenced earlier, they need to have a voice. You need to have a pulse on what they actually want and what they would benefit from. So the way that we do that is we send out an annual survey assessing the wants and needs of our population. And one of the interesting observations I've made is that often 
when I'm when I reference our core data health report along with the survey answers, it's the it, it's the same top items. So one of our areas, our top areas of desired support was in the category of behavioral mental health, which also aligned with a top spend area in our uh, health insurance core data report. So that was an interesting observation. So number one, evaluate and assess where you're at. Number two, create and develop an evidence-based strategy with those measurable benchmarks that align to your school district and back to your scorecard. So uh, you wanna be making sure that you are creating benchmarks that align to the district scorecard, as well as those starting data points where you've addressed our areas that need improvement. And then lastly, implement and improve. So you want to implement your strategy and which has all of those supportive initiatives and then constantly be re reassessing where you're at to make sure that you're moving the needle in the direction that you want it to be moving in. Right. And do you need to make adjustments? You may need to pivot or adjust based on information that you're receiving when you're reassessing where your program is at. So in sum, evaluate, create, implement, and improve. Wonderful. Calissa, what's your call to action to your, your peers out there in the United States? I would say the very first thing to do is your needs assessment. So see where you are as far as your program, what you've done before, what are you looking to do later. And so a needs assessment just identifies areas within your organization that need improvement. Surveys are also important. And also speaking with your employees. What are some things that they would like to see within the organization that they haven't seen previously? Communication is also a key piece. I know um, starting with my organization, I found out about all these different programs that a lot of employees did not know about either. So making sure that you have a good communication strategy. So having a list of those programs that are easily accessible to your employees. Making sure that your programs are diverse enough. I know with our district, we have a very diverse population. You have your younger population, older population. So you want to make sure that you're not gearing towards certain populations. You mm -hmm. want to make sure that you reach everyone. So when you have virtual programs, some of your employees may not be computer savvy right. enough. Right. So you might need to change those things around just so you can include everyone. And evaluations are definitely important. So what programs have you done? How did it work out? And where can you move from here? We're going to wrap up this podcast. And uh, I want to very much thank both of you for being here, sharing your knowledge and firsthand experience. Um, one, two, two things we're going to mention here is uh, I advise anybody in the education space that is looking to improve upon or launch an effective wellness well-being initiative, and those terms are often used interchangeably, but that's why we try to be mindful of that, but uh, is to check out our Workplace Wellness Best Practices Study 2022, which came out last year and is uh, free for download at returnsonwellbeing.com. Uh, this will help you look at a whole person approach to wellness, well-being, 
what other companies are doing effectively and uh, areas of focus and uh, basically how to design a multi-pronged comprehensive well-being initiative based on evidence-based best practices. And the other thing is a sneak peek, if you will, at an initiative the Returns of Wellbeing Institute is putting together at the, at the, as of recording this podcast to help U.S. school systems embrace evidence-based well-being best practices uh, through a learning environment and some online programs and things we're putting together for launch this fall. So this is all going to be um, talked about in the coming months. Uh, I encourage you to subscribe both this podcast and to join our mailing list at returnsofwellbeing.com where we'll be letting you know when these things are uh, hitting the ground and you can join and take part in them. You've been listening to Returns on Wellbeing Institute podcast. To learn more about our resources and programs that help employers make employee well-being a bottom-line business strategy, please visit www.returnsonwellbeing.com.